Wednesday, our daughter texted us and said, hey, did you guys feel the earthquake? Maybe you weren't up. Fortunately, the earthquake was at six and we weren't up. But then we texted back, no, we didn't feel that. But we've felt earthquakes before. If you've been a longtime resident of California, you may have remember Loma Prieta, which collapsed part of the Bay Bridge and uh, stopped in, before the game, the World Series. I can't remember which one it was. But um, earthquakes happen quickly, suddenly, without warning. It's been less than two months since the earthquake in Turkey. And yet, it's hardly on the headlines anymore. But for those that are in Turkey and still going through the grief and the challenge of just trying to find some semblance of life again, and not, we're not even close to normality, what does that look like? Earthquakes happen quickly, suddenly, without warning. And if they're particularly severe, the people that are impacted and felt them in some way are forever changed. They'll never forget where they were. I don't forget where I was during Loma Prieta. Vicky won't either. I say that, we were talking about seismic activity, if you want to think of it that way, because that word seismic is actually a Greek, Greek word. And it's the word that's used in the Palm Sunday reading that Ben read as before we processed the palms. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred seismic. The whole city was shaken. And it asked, who is this? Who is this person riding on a donkey into Jerusalem? And they said, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And in case you didn't know where Nazareth is, they had to say, and it's from the region of Galilee. For all you highbrows in Jerusalem who don't know where Jesus is coming from. He's coming from Nazareth, which is in the region of Galilee. But make no mistake, Jesus, it's clear from the text that he's doing the things that kings have done since time immemorial. He's coming, in this case, on a donkey. He is coming, and people are singing, as we, as we yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna. And Isaiah. Actually, add salvation is with us, but in, in this reading, that, that salvation will be played out in the days ahead. But he is. And that's the first thing that Matthew wants us to see. And this is an account that's also in Luke. It's an account that says that Jesus is coming to be not just our king for those who know him. But king of all of coming actually to claim his kingdom. And yet he's so, in a sense, unimpressive. He's coming riding on a donkey. 300 years earlier, Alexander the Great had ridden into Jerusalem. But he was on a horse. A symbol of power, a symbol of authority, a symbol of conquering. Jesus is on a donkey. In Bible times, he's a man of peace. It meant that in peace. And yet, the seismic part of this is, by him coming into Jerusalem, nobody would be left the same. The crowd that is singing hosannas, days later, many of them will say, crucify him. The disciples who are organizing this thing and helping him go may not go the full distance of being with him in his darkest moments. 
Judas, we don't know why he doesn't stay as Christ's disciple, why in fact he turned Was it because he was greedy? We get some indication of that. Was it because he just didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah? What Messiah comes on a donkey instead of a horse? What Messiah comes to talk about a kingdom that is not of this world when there's so much in this current world that needs fixing? You know, our culture today, I think, is, is probably more obsessed than time has passed. The whole idea of power and authority. It's in our media. It's just about everywhere we turn. It's like, it's as if normal conversation and negotiations and deliberation and all that stuff has been thrown out some time ago. And in place has, be, has come just exercises in raw power. Somebody claiming authority over something, somebody wanting to extend their authority their limits beyond their charter, beyond their brief, all the ways that this world has created authority. If you have more of something that gives you power, that's what people are after. If you have a higher reputation, if you have more money, if you have more votes, if you have more influence, if you have more media coverage, if you have more of something that is the currency of power, you oftentimes have more power. At a national level, if you have more military, if you have more experience, if you have more trade nations, you have more power. And it's easy for people to think, well, if he's coming as a king, if he's coming with a king, first he has to come with authority. Whose authority is Jesus coming with? Authority is that who says, actually, that Jesus is king? Is this a self-declaration? Well, it's not. Jesus is known, he says to Pilate in John's gospel account, from, for this I was born, that I would be a king. So he's, he is the fulfillment of the prophecies about a king coming into Jerusalem. There would be no king of Israel, no king over the people of God, who did not go to Jerusalem, set up his kingdom from there. How could he be a king in the line of David without being in Jerusalem? And so Jesus' authority comes from his heavenly father. Just to be clear, when, when, when Jesus is baptized, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's as, as a dove. And later when the Pharisees are on Jesus and they say, by what authority are you doing this healing? Jesus refers to his baptism. Let me ask you a question. Was the baptism that John gave from God or not? Uh, that's a tough one. Hmm. Well, if we say that it's not, you know, he wasn't from God, then people kill us because they believe he was a prophet. And if we say that it was from God, then Jesus is going to say, okay, that's my authority. So they cop out. They say, we don't know. But Palm Sunday reminds us that the king has come, and he's come with the full authority of his heavenly father. He's come to claim the throne that has always been his. We need a king that is Jesus, not a king. We need the king who is Jesus. But he also comes, as I said, our, our world is, is chasing after power in a big way. We seem to think that that's all what, what politics is about and about 
and everything else in this world is about, I'm slightly exaggerating, but perhaps not much. But what kind of power does Jesus have on display? Is he coming with legions of angels? He could. You know, it's interesting that there's such a contrast between Jesus' power and the world's power. When Pilate says to him in John, he said, don't you know that I could free you? And Jesus kind of goes, well, actually, my father could send legions of angels if that were the plan here, but it's not. Because Jesus' power is known through humility. Jesus' power is known through sacrifice. The world is the accumulation of things that allow stuff to get done. But Jesus' power is the giving of oneself to allow God to do the things that need to be done. That's the huge difference. We spend so much time in our world trying to for ourselves because there's no way to do it. And Jesus, in order to be the Savior that we need, yield himself to the Father's plan. That's no small feat because along with that, suffering. And just a little parenthetical, don't get me wrong here. When, when we who are in business and we who are teaching in college to do anything that God has called us to do, you do need ability. And God has given us talents and he's given us abilities. He's given us resources. And that's fine. We use them wisely and with dependence on him to continue to apply those. Because the fact is, whatever God has called us to, whatever vocation we're serving in, requires his continued fulfillment or filling up of his spirit, of his grace, of his wisdom, of his patience, of his non-anxious presence. Those are the things we need to be the people that he's called us to be. Power that's defined not by the accumulation of things in this world, but by the giving of oneself, the sacrifice of all that one is and all that one has. This is going to the cross in these days ahead for Jesus will require every part of him. The people he loves most will either, he will either break their hearts in the with his mother, or he will find himself betrayed and misunderstood and disciples in his greatest moment of need sleeping. Have you ever been in a position like that? Where people that in your really intense time of of need and of want and folks that said, well, I'll be there with you, and then they're not showing up, they're not calling, they've stopped texting, they don't ask how it's going, and you think, how we just had this really interesting, and I thought really need, I needed that conversation, and now there's nothing. And what you're, It's easy to feel alone and isolated in the greatest times of, of need and of care. Jesus knows this firsthand. Jesus experiences this, but he goes on Ahead. But Jesus' power looks like sacrifice. Jesus' power looks like suffering. Jesus' power on display through suffering and sacrifice is motivated by his love. This is the king that we are called to serve. This is the king worthy of our hosannas. This is the only kind of king that can save us. His power 
in that posture of suffering and sacrifice. You know, the movement of the 4th century and even a little bit earlier, monks disavowed attachments to the world. Later on, it would be codified as, as taking a vow of poverty, chastity, obedience. I'm giving myself to the authority of another. I'm not going to be married or enjoy that covenant relationship. Any wealth or even any means I would have, I don't have. It all belongs to this monastery. The complete giving of oneself to the work of God. And yet God used that to attract people and to build a spiritual powerhouse, for lack of a better term, that cultivated what we call spiritual practices today, still forming us centuries later. We're thinking more modern examples of this. Think of civil rights. Dr. Martin Luther King and his nonviolent efforts. It was... Suffer and to die in some cases, and to let the testimony and the power of that be manifest to all those. See, when you resist, they will resist back. But when you are giving of yourself, you're inviting a response. And that is more like Jesus and more powerful. So, in these days ahead, Jesus. For us, we get to journey with Christ. Because as I said, nobody's left the same as he, when he comes into Jerusalem. Everybody is having to deal with Jesus in some way, shape, or form. Pilate is confused. Pilate is disturbed. You want to talk about seismic? As Cindy read the gospel, his wife sends him a message. Have nothing to do with this righteous man. I'll tell you, that's pretty scary all by itself. And you can see Pilate begin to think of a way to get out of this thing. Nobody's the same when Jesus comes. For us who are his followers in this week, in these remaining days of Lent, there is a time, and I encourage all of us to say, Lord, as I follow you, where do I find myself in this story? Do I find myself in a place of, of saying Hosanna and yet still or or things that I see about when I think about you as my Lord what I really mean is I want you to bless the things that are my plans or am I willing to give that up and say Lord I, whatever you want to do in my life is the best life I could ever have or ask for maybe I don't know not we people you know People you've heard about, maybe more like Judas. And I've heard of people lately uh, who have really just kind of come to the end of their road of faith for whatever reason. I want to pray for them. I want, you know, I, I, like I say, Lord, how does that even happen? But if we're not careful, if we're not honest, if we're not seeing that when Jesus calls us as disciples, he calls us to give up all of ourselves. He calls us to to experience things potentially we'd rather not. But also see that the Lord goes with us on that journey. Also see that as the Lord uh, manifests his love for us, 
through his sacrifice, through his suffering, as he manifests that power and that authority, he's inviting us in. Who's the one who seems to be most transformed in this gospel reading that Cindy read? At the end, it seems to be the centurion, the one who is part of the detail that was sent to torture and systematically kill this man slowly along with two others. That was his assignment. And yet another seismic event occurs. An earthquake happens. Darkness covers the land. And he concludes after seeing how Jesus died, how Jesus gave himself. Surely, this was the Son of God. So my prayer for myself, my prayer for each of us, is that in these remaining days of Lent, we just allow God to, Lord, press in, Lord, whatever else I need to be dealing with, let me deal with it. Whatever else I need to see of you, because I can't really see you as, uh, there's something blocking me, but I know you love me and I want to experience more of that, whatever that is. Lord, get me through the other side so that I know even more than I know today. Surely, he is the Son of God. Amen. Amen.